everyone. Welcome along to the Event Industry News podcast. My name's James Dixon, wishing everybody a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you are joining today's podcast from. The podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage. A very warm welcome to everybody to the show and a very warm welcome to today's guest. Joining us is Chris Elmitt. Chris is the Managing Director for Crystal Interactive. Chris, welcome along to today's podcast. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to be looking at, um, well, something that we've looked at many times before, uh, event data, but specifically its role in creating immersive event experiences for attendees. Um, we're going to be looking at, um, very specifically, a, a product that Crystal Interactive and Chris and his team um, have available in the UK. And um, at that point, I think it's a very, very uh, opportune moment to throw it back over to you, Chris. Welcome you to the uh, podcast. And just explain to us a little bit about, first of all, uh, what Crystal Interactive does and um, what this specific product is that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, thanks, James. Uh, so Crystal Interactive is a company based in Godalming and Surrey. We specialize in event technology and that's all we do. So um, no AV, no agency, just focusing on event technology. Um, our role as we see it is to put the ha uh, into the hands of participants at events, technology which makes their experience more meaningful and richer. Uh, so that's really where we focus our attention. Uh, and the technology that we bring, some of it we build ourselves. So we have a number of platforms that we've developed ourselves, mm -hmm. but we also partner with the, with the best companies that we see around who are bringing uh, innovative new technology uh, to the UK. Well, we bring it to the UK, they develop the technology. One of those which we're gonna talk about is called Click. It's with a brilliant firm out in Montreal who've developed a new smart wearable uh, and we are the company um, that are deploying that technology on an exclusive basis in the UK and in Europe. And it's interesting you say that because um, uh, one, one thing that springs to mind straight away is that We've encountered loads and loads of tech startups, loads of people who choose to, from scratch, build the next big thing. Um, and it's interesting that as well as programming and building stuff yourselves, you've also ad adopted as a business this idea of, of bringing a product that already exists over to the UK, um, rather than thinking, well, that's a good idea. Let's de develop that from scratch. Um, uh, at any point, was there the prospect of actually sort of building something like this or was that part of your business plan to look at technology that may be available in other parts of the world and bring it to the UK? Yeah, it's a, it's a good observation, James. Um, uh, we, as I, as I say, we've developed our own technology, but uh, as anyone who's worked in this game for long enough will tell you, the emotional, financial and physical resources required to get a technology from scratch off the ground is enormous. And I think most companies would say they've probably got one technology in them every six or seven years, would be my guess. Um, what they also find is that when they develop the technology, so they get the code together, they test it and everything else, they actually start to find that because events are such a specific uh, place where technology is used, they also have to develop a lot of other skills to make the technology safe. So that is about um, project management, it's about getting things right uh, and ready on time, it's about supporting attendees and using technology that they're not familiar with, it might be about getting Wi-Fi uh, specced in the right way for your technology platform to be successful. So anyone who's developing a technology platform is going to have to build those muscles and our reflection was rather than building the muscles once and then only using it on our technology, when we've built those muscles why don't we use them on every technology platform where they have a value? And that's what gave us the, 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 the inspiration to go and start looking for other platforms 
platforms that needed a provider who could uh, who could deploy. And, and so, what led you to Click? How did you how did you come across it first of all? And um, how long was the process in bringing that technology over here? And uh, I suppose after that, we need to get into the nitty gritty of what it is and what it does. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, just briefly, um, we started the conversations about a year ago. Uh, we've got a team of three people who are looking at new technologies. Uh, across the world uh, pretty much full time. So they're constantly looking for stuff. Click we really liked because, and I'll explain what it does in a minute, but Click we really liked because we couldn't see anything else that was exactly like it on the market. So it was nice and distinct. Um, also, it had definitely a requirement for on-site uh, team to deploy it. Mm -hmm. And we have on-site teams, so it was a really good fit for us. Okay, so there we go. We, we built it all up then. I suppose that the next obvious question is, is what is it and what does it do? Sure, okay, so it's a smart wearable. So I know that's, um, that's a term that uh, you've probably discussed a number of times on this podcast. Uh, a smart wearable is something that um, a, a delegate wears during a, an event or an experience and uh, it gives back some information to someone for some benefit. So uh, in this instance, and apologies for uh, those just on the audio, but um, this is a badge, so this is one way that uh, people can have this smart wearable. Um, it's a big plastic thing with a clicky button. So uh, the delegate clicks it when they want to do something in particular. And sure. I'll tell you a bit about uh, what that does. Well, I, I should describe for, for those of you who are listening to the audio, hop over to eventindustrynews.com and, and have a look at the video so you can see what Chris has, has, has held up and put in front of the camera. But um, for those who are on the audio, it is pretty similar to any sort of delegate badge. It has a lanyard, you know, it's... Um, it, it, it's bigger than a business card, probably two business cards in size, um, and with a little bit that's ever so slightly deeper that I presume uh, houses the technology. Absolutely, yeah. And so uh, what the technology inside it is, is two things. So one of it is a light. So the badge can light up different colors um, at the prompt from our controller. And the second is a click. So it literally is a single button click, uh, which uh, delegates press when they want to do a particular action. Mm -hmm. If I could give you the very simplest way that you use the technology uh, with the click, uh, as in the name. So if two participants come to an event, uh, they get talking and they decide that they want to keep in touch after the event, then standing next to each other, they hold their badges together, click the badge, and that automatically exchanges contact details with the other person. So that's the very, very simplest use of the technology. And uh, I, I suppose that that prompts immediately a number of questions. Um, my first one is quite simple. Are the badges reusable? Because this is a lot more sophisticated than a simple delegate badge. Presumably there's going to be a higher cost involved and you would like to think that these could be used by multiple people on more than one occasion. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So our model is you can buy them if you want to, um, to have them as a, as a giveaway. In. So our normal model is to rent the badges um, we retrieve them at the end of the event, change the batteries over, clean them down, and they're ready to go to the next user. Great. And um, I suppose that the, the second question is completely unrelated to the reusability, but uh, the data exchange that takes place uh, in that scenario that you gave us of so two people wanting to exchange data. First of all, why not, why not just give them your mobile number? Why not just hand them a business card or or say, what's your phone number? I'll text you my contact card from my iPhone to your iPhone. Well, what are the benefits to using this system um, other than what appears to be just a, a speedier way of doing it? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, business cards is a, is, a, is a good one, James. I personally have got hundreds of business cards on my desk, which is a tip, I won't mind telling you. Um, so I've got a whole load of business cards. They've come from a whole load of meetings that I've had, evening sessions 
collections, uh, exhibitions and everything else. And I look at those cards and I think one day I really must go through them and try and work out where the hell I met all those people. Um, so I'm not sure that anyone is that much different from me. They might be, but I'm not sure that anyone is that much different from me. Um, so it is a speedier way of doing it. In terms of why not use your phone, uh, why use the badge? Um, we do also do um, phone-based technologies, but one of the things I'm finding increasingly, James, is I'm really addicted to my phone and giving me the slightest excuse to get my phone out when mm -hmm. it comes to an event is something that I kind of need to keep myself in hand a little bit with. And so this technology is an alternative which says, leave your phone in your pocket, don't worry about your phone, um, just use the badge so that you can engage with people without being distracted with other things. It's not for every, every delegate group, but um, certainly something that we've looked at. I suppose to, to answer my own question as well, if you put uh, somebody's contact straight into your phone, so you put their name, their business, et cetera, et cetera, um, there's no real record uh, and way of, of putting into context where and when and how you met that person. I would guess uh, that with, with, with the click system that you're going to get some way post event of receiving all of that information of the people that you've requested their, their, their information from. And you're going to be able to say, right, here are all the people that I met at this particular event. Exactly that. Yeah. So, so all of the data that you pick up in your experience at the event through your badge um, is synced up to something that's called a timeline. So a timeline is uh, something you can either access through your browser or there's an app that you can use to access it. And that basically says, at these different points in the day, Chris, this is what you did. And it gives you the contact details, the places the, the visit that you visited, and the information that you've requested to pick up. And all of that's held in your timeline. You can then take that information and just export it straight into your contacts, or you can leave it there. And having been a participant with Click, my experience was actually, I leave it there. Each of my events has its own timeline, which tells me the people in the context of when I met them, and I actually find that the best way to consume it. Sure. And, and when we look at the actual technology that's within the, the badge and, and within the wearable, um, are we talking about NFC or RFID? Um, what, what particular type of communication is being utilized? Yeah, so we're using, we're using Bluetooth. And what we've done is, or I'd say we, what Click has done is to put the Bluetooth into the badge itself. So if you've used, um, uh, if you've used iBeacons in any uh, events, the idea is that you put an iBeacon, it's a little plastic device, it's put at strategic places around the venue, mm -hmm. and then your phone is the clever thing that works out what the iBeacon is and what information it should display to you. So we just switch that round. We put the iBeacon effectively into the badge, uh, and uh, that just re removes a whole layer of complexity in terms of setup. So the iBeacon's in the badge, and that is constantly communicating with effectively a network set up around the uh, venue. Um, that can be wide scale, so the badge can say, I recognize that I'm in the main hall, for instance, or it can be narrow scale. So uh, the badge can recognize that I'm on a particular stand, exhibition stand or booth uh, in an exhibition hall. So we can kind of do the very big macro, how many people are here, uh, you know, uh, uh, that sort of thing. And then we can zero down to where's Chris at the moment and, and which uh, exhibitor is he uh, engaging with. That's interesting because we, uh, we're starting to come across more frequently this, um, uh, I suppose, crowd analytic type yep. uh, technology that's allowing organisers to take a far closer analytical look at where and how their crowds are moving and their audiences mm. are moving through events. Um, and, and what's interesting is that um, I think a, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are also offering this ability where you're improving communication. And this ties back into what we would, 
introduces the topic, which is creating these immersive event experiences for people. And it's immersive in the sense that it's not just the audience and the visitors that we're immersing in content, but we're also giving the organizers an immersive experience because they're perhaps feeling a little bit more connected with their event by the, with the information that they can now get from technology like this. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I know that you've um, recently had on uh, Exposure Analytics, another company that this, does this sort of stuff yeah. on your podcast. And, you know, they're, they're definitely coming at the, uh, the same question uh, from a slightly different angle to us. But uh, I think what they do very nicely is to say, look, we need to know where the bulk of people are. We need to know footfall and we need to know that quickly and we need to know that simply. Um, mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we're just taking that and we're just going one level deeper, which is not just how many are in a particular space, but who is in a particular space. And when you get into that level of insight, then you can start to reimagine the way that you do your event. Mm -hmm. So for instance, one of the big things that I say to my event organizers who are looking at using Click is, you have the opportunity for participants to demonstrate their engagement with your event. If you just send them to the same place and give them the same content, then all you know is that they were there and they consumed the same content as everyone else. Mm -hmm. But if you design your event as a series of choices to say, don't necessarily think they all want to go to plenary. Don't necessarily expect that they all want to go to the exhibition. But if they do, then design it so that they can show you what their preferences are. Then you can start to get very rich insights about what people really want to get out of the event. Sure. Uh, uh, are, the, uh, are the wearables, when they are deployed at an event, mm. are they uh, a must-have item for visitors or is there an option for them not to have it? And the reason I ask that question is from a data processing, a data management point of view, if somebody chooses to have that particular type of wearable on them, mm. so they have the click badge, presumably they've had to give their details in order to be uploaded to a database that's controlled so that when they do share their information, they're giving permission for that information to be shared. So uh, I, I guess um, there's a couple of questions in there. First of all, by agreeing to have the badge and handing over their data, does that pre-authorize everybody who clicks with them to get their information? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. The way that we tend to run that is if we can keep everyone on the same platform, then that's great. So mm -hmm. if everyone can have the badge, that's great. Um, but what people can do is to be in control of the information that they have shared through that click contact exchange. So you might have collected full contact details through the registration platform of an attendee. But then at the point where they pick up their click badge, you can make it clear if you don't want to share your or email address, or you don't want to share that email address, you'd rather use your Gmail account or whatever it is, uh, then people can update their profile. So it's just the information they want to share. If they want to go further than that, then of course we can just give them a flat, flat paper badge and they can wear that instead. But mm -hmm. the idea is that there's enough value in using this badge for the delegate that they'll be motivated to use it, especially if we put them in control of what information is shared on them. Um, this is a completely sort of operational uh, question here. Um, how long do the batteries last? <laughs> so about three to four days, uh, typically, in, in fairly intensive use. And uh, intensive use is partly around the clicking, so how many people are you contact exchanging with? But the other big bit is how you're using the lights in the, in the device. And this is a big part of what Click brings to an event, which, um, which, to be honest, when we first looked at it, we slightly overlooked. So the way that the, the, the badge works is that it is um, attached to your profile uh, and there'll be a whole load of information about you which is relevant for that badge to know. So for instance, which session is James going to? What level of expertise does James say he has in a particular topic? 
um, what's his preferences uh, for particular breakouts. All of that information you've given to us through the reg, and we can use lights on the badge to help you very, very quickly uh, understand where you need to go next, who you could talk to. So I'll give you a couple of examples. We did a, a launch event uh, uh, in July with 100 event professionals using this technology for the first time in the UK. And one of the sessions during breakouts, um, we'd ask people just to tell us their level of expertise with technology. And if they were experts, their badge would flash red. If they were intermediate, their badge would flash orange. Uh, and uh, if they were uh, complete newbies, their badge would flash green. So when we sent them out to the coffee, everyone's badges lit up and we just said, go and find a different talk color to talk to. No point talking to another expert or another newbie, go and find someone who's got a different experience which you can share. And I know it sounds really simple, but to watch the networking and how different it was, because people just cast aside that kind of natural British reservedness where they'd suddenly all dive on their phones, they started looking for other colored badges to go and have a conversation with. Completely different dynamic in the room from uh, what we've had before. That's, that, that's interesting and that, that's taking it into an audience participation level and again yeah. tying back into what we're talking about creating immersive experiences and um, one thing then that, that immediately prompts me to ask is is can the technology then be integrated with other types of service that are being deployed and other products and systems that are being deployed at events to prompt interactivity and content management. Um, uh, uh, we've done a, a recent episode on the, on the podcast with a, an organization called Me Too, who yeah. are one of the, the several providers out there of, of interactive technology. So you can ask questions during a session. It integrates with PowerPoint. And I'm just thinking then that, you know, if, if like-minded people have asked similar questions, is there a possibility then of integrating that with their badges so that they they flash up different colors i mean i'm just throwing stuff at you but yeah uh, i suppose the broad question is given the scenario that you've just painted for us can that then integrate with other systems yeah absolutely i mean you we work with me too it's a it's a terrific product and um, i've used it for a couple of years now um when we look at something like me too um the big question is are they capturing who the person is so with me too you can either choose to be anonymous or log in so if it's anonymous it's very hard to then attribute um, uh, preferences shown through voting back to a particular individual but if they've logged in then absolutely no question we can uh, we can uh, we can then start to make those matches and that builds on this idea of um, giving the participant choice allow them to express their individual opinions and then use the event as a way of bringing those together bringing those people together to have further discussions or to deepen your understanding of your customers for post event this is all this is all I think the way that events are going and that, that's amazing, I suppose. And, and just, I'm, I don't want to use the word gimmick, mm. but little things like this, people, there is the inner child in all of us. Some people, you know, repress it. Some people embrace it. But the inner child is always there in all of us. And if the lights go out in a room and suddenly everyone's badge starts flashing a colour because some people have agreed with the statement and some people have disagreed with the statement and some are green and some are red, there is that sort of inner child that immediately opens up to the possibilities of where we could go next with this discussion. And, and already I'm thinking of, uh, of those sort of scenarios presenting themselves with this type of technology. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I mean, where it is now, so we're, we're a year in, um, if we want to capture preference, we need to do that prior to the person picking up the badge. So the way the technology works is at the point where we hand them the badge, we tell the badge everything that the badge needs to know about that person. And that would include answers to questions that we've asked uh, as part of the registration process. Once that badge is then in the wild, we can't 
post factum add any new insights to it. So unless they told us they agreed with something prior to picking up the badge, we can't then say because they voted on this, um, now we show it as red or green. But that's definitely the way the technology is going. And that's definitely the way we use it. It's just, we just have to manage when we're capturing that inside at the moment. And, and for clarification, when we're talking about putting information onto the badge, are we, am I, would I be right in saying that there's no actual information stored within the badge in a similar way to RFID, as a lot of people understand yeah. it, that's simply a means to communicate back to a database on which that information is held. So if somebody does get hold of somebody else's badge, they can't access their personal information. Yeah, that's right. I mean, in principle, you're absolutely right. We have one uh, operational um, um, uh, backstop, if you like, which is super important when it comes to big events, which is the last 16 clicks that the badge did are stored on the badge until they've made it onto the server. And it doesn't matter whether that's one minute or 60 minutes or 120 minutes. Mm -hmm. It's held on the badge until it's got the handshake to say the server's re received it. And one of the big, the big reasons for that is if a badge goes out of range because you don't necessarily wire up an entire, uh, you know, an entire venue, um, then we need to not lose who they've connected with. So in principle, yes, no information is stored on the badge, uh, but in, in practice, there is a sort of, there is a, a backstop that it's stored until it's synced. But in essence, I guess that they're just storing the details of the other uh, uh, beacon oh, that they've correct. connected with, and at which point it will then pull in the data to that other bit of data. Exactly that, exactly that, yeah. And... Um, uh, uh, Again, there's there's all sorts of ideas, and I, and I guess the ideas will be flowing, and you'll be constantly sourcing information and ideas from organisers to how they think they can they can mm. utilise it. Um, uh, how how successful have the deployments been, and what sort of feedback have you got from people so far in terms of where they've suggested actually we could use it like this? Yeah, so um, the the feedback has been uh, exceptional. Uh, a number of people at Crystal have been working in event technology for. A number of years. I'm 15 years in. My fellow director Dom, I think, is uh, is over 20 years in. Uh, and and the feeling around this technology for us and for people we talk to is that this is something that's probably more profound than anything else we've done in the last 10 years. So there's a lot of expectation uh, and there's a lot of excitement. I think the participants' hands or art wrists or around their necks, uh, and it's something that they wear and they interact with, creates a really different dynamic. Um, so, so that's kind of, there's, there's lots of push to be really ambitious with this technology. One of the things though we do want to make sure with our clients is that we're not so ambitious with the first deployment of a technology that we lose the audience. So mm -hmm. if, if a badge, it's very simple to operate, you can click it and it does something. So if you're opposite a person, you click it, you exchange contact details. If you're at a stand, you click it, you receive the information from that stand holder. There's lots of things you can get it to do, but if you make it too mind blowing for the participant and they don't really understand what data they're picking up, where their data's going and what the rules of engagement are, it takes too long to explain that and you lose too many people, then, then you get into a, a situation where the technology is now becoming a barrier for all but the techie few, and that's not a, a world that we like to operate in. So, so actually, we're looking for you know a really good, solid first experience where they might be doing uh, a contact de contact details exchange plus uh, some hotspots where they can pick up some further information, and then from that foundation, let's look in year two at doing something uh, you know more more ambitious with it.
that said, James, you know what events people like, they always want to go 100 miles an hour from the get-go. So uh, yeah. there's plenty of ambitious deployments as well. Um, just looking at the physicality of the actual badge, and again, just, just to, to remind people who are listening to the audio version of the, the, the podcast, yeah. go over to eventindustrynews.com and watch the video version of it. And, and Chris held up um, the, the, the badge in question, the actual, um, I suppose you could call it a device, because it, yeah. it, it, it is a device. Um, given at how quickly technology moves and the idea of, of technology always being reduced in size and everything getting smaller, um, have you already had discussions with guys over in Canada that this is slowly going to reduce in size and you'll make it physically a little bit more discreet and maybe easier to wear? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's, a, here's another version that we use and I'll hold this up to the camera, but this is just a very simple, very light plastic. It looks like a, a watch, but it doesn't have any moving parts or arms. And it's the same thing. It's the light and the clicking button and that's all it is, but you wear it around your wrist. And the last couple of deployments, actually, we've been using these. Now, there's a very kind of mundane thing, which is the badge also shows the person's name and their organization and all that good stuff that always goes on a badge. And obviously, you can't put that on a watch and make it visible. But yeah, definitely looking at other ways to, um, uh, to make it more, more portable. Um, there's another one last version that's currently available, which is uh, it, it's one of those expandy things that you have on your security tags when you go into your office and that goes between your lanyard and any other badge that you want to use. So it's a couple of different ways that we can deploy. Each time it's the same brain, uh, but in a different chassis. And, and, and going back to, to the chassis and, and it being an actual badge at the moment, if there's one thing people have not yet bettered I don't think it's the idea of having something around your neck with your name and your job title and your company from because how many times have people who listen to this podcast been in an environment where they've glanced at somebody's badge and thought aha that's the guy or that's the lady that I need to speak to I've never met them before I've no idea what they look like but they've been able to see who it is from their name badge or you know skipped over that awkward moment where where you've forgotten a person's name by quickly glancing at their name badge to remind you of it. We've all been there and done it. And, and the idea of having a name badge still with this technology built in still has a lot of mileage, doesn't it? You, you're so right, James. I mean, the number of times we show them the wristband first and say, look how small, look how portable. Uh, and there's a badge and they say, oh, the badge is big. And then they end up with the badge because they don't want to circumvent, as you say, that basic form of communication in, in an event that's still needed. Until the day when someone invents some sort of, you know, retina implant that, that shines <laughs> someone's name above their head and what they think about you, uh, you know, I think, I think good old badges or some form of uh, display yeah. is required. I've suddenly had a vision of RoboCop there, you know, accessing yeah. database <laughs> and being fed the information, which I, I think scares the living daylights out of everybody who would, who's ever seen that. Um, from, from a deployment perspective, when people are arriving uh, at an event and registering, they're pre-registered or they need to register on the door. But either way, most people are familiar with the process of walking into the event, going up some sort of terminal or a person with a device and giving their details in order to get their badge. So presumably the process is not as elongated as people may first think in order to give them some sort of wearable technology. Um, in reality, how long is that process and how does it differ from a traditional badge? Yeah, I mean, it's very similar. and We've tried to mimic that uh, very closely because it's a good process. It works well and everyone is familiar with it. Um, it's, it's slightly different in terms of the technology we use. So each of your registration staff or your check-in staff will have an iPad and a stack of badges. Um, and then there's a couple of different ways that we can do it. We can either pre-print the badges on the, sorry, pre-print the labels on the badges 
um, or we can uh, just print those as people arrive. So they arrive, they give their name, the host puts the name into the iPad, the iPad spits out the profile, there's a button to print, you print, stick it on the badge and give it, uh, give it out. Just to give you a sense of flow, uh, each iPad uh, does 50 badges per hour. So we're looking at a registration process of whatever that is, a minute and four seconds per person. And so if we're expecting 300 people an hour, we'd have six people uh, doing that, that registration process. And that and that and that's useful to have, isn't it? Because you know that that is a clear um, uh, sort of formula, if you can call it that, mm. isn't it? You know, you, 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 if you can give that statistic to somebody, that will answer very clearly and very definitively how many people they have to put on there. Because there's, sometimes there's nothing worse than not having put enough registration staff on. There are hundreds of people arriving. There aren't enough people to register them. Or the reverse to that, you've got hundreds of registration staff and a few people trickling in, and you think. I'm paying all of these people to be stood there doing nothing. So actually, I suppose it, it, from an operational point of view and a budgetary point of view, being able to give that data is quite key. It is absolutely, yeah, yeah. So the only thing that we need to know, and, and obviously if it's a new event, then it's hard to tell, it's just that it's not the total number, it's the flow per hour. Um, so when you have something like an exhibition, you know, some exhibitions I've been to, you seem to get a trickle the entirety of the day with no real peaks. Other times, everyone turns up at 10. It's just knowing what that flow is per hour and, and knowing the behavior of your participants. But the first time I used it, it was 7,000 people. I was an attendee, uh, you know, and they knew exactly how many people were turning up on the first morning. Uh, I must have waited about, I don't know, I must have waited about two minutes or something in a small queue, and then I was straight through. And for most events, I dare say, that, that, that have been operational for a number of years, they will be using a registration provider again my experience tells me that a lot of people are loyal to their registration providers they don't tend to chop and change from one year mm. to the next mm. so they will have historical data yeah. they will have the ability to look back on year one year two year three year four year five year six etc etc and say right where are the peak periods when do people traditionally hit us hard and walk in through the doors one of the quieter periods and that's how you do all the maths when you're looking at deploying exactly. a system like this Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. If, people, if people want to find out more about it, um, crystalinteractive.net, I yep. believe is the, is the website, Chris. Um, we've been t talking to Chris Elmit today, who's the MD of Crystal Interactive, but specifically we've been talking about um, a technology called Click that uh, the guys at Crystal have brought over from uh, a Canadian uh, technology developer um, and uh, looking at how technology and wearables are creating this immersive event experience um chris thanks very much for joining the podcast today great to have you on board i know it's the first time you've, you've been a guest on the podcast but uh, thanks very much for joining us thank you thanks so much for having me james if, uh, if anybody's listening to the audio version of this podcast, this is your final reminder to hop over to eventindustrynews.com and look at the video version. Anything that we've referenced and some of the, some of the visual stuff that Chris has, has put up to the camera during today's episode, you'll be able to see on the video version of this available via eventindustrynews.com and also available via the Event Industry News Facebook page. On the subject of social media, if you are a Twitter user, at Event News Blog is the Twitter handle. And if you search for Event Industry News on either Facebook LinkedIn or Instagram, you will stumble across us very, very quickly. Um, loads of content, loads of features, loads of new stuff going up onto eventindustrynews.com as well, aside from this podcast. And just a little reminder, of course, that in, uh, in the next few weeks, we'll be back round to Event Tech Live 2018 and the Event Technology Awards. So um, 
good luck to everybody that's nominated for the Event Technology Awards this year. I know the uh, the shortlist uh, has come out uh, come out recently as we were recording this podcast. Um, and uh, who knows? I think maybe by the time this one is published, we may even have a list of this year's winners. Um, but our thanks once again to Chris Elmit from Crystal, uh, Crystal Interactive for joining today's podcast. The podcast itself is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks once again to our guest today, Chris. My name's James Dixon, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Event Industry News Podcast. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.